on this episode of Quantum Week, November 3rd through 9th, 1997. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year. We talk about movies and music and headlines and stories and all sorts of stuff. And today we have a very special guest, Steve Robinson, the executive producer of the Kirk Minahan show is here. Hey, Steve. What's up, guys? It's a, an honor and a pleasure to be here on Quantum Week, making well, my uh, my debut. We feel the same way. We've been we've been jonesing to have you on for months and months. But uh, I'm very excited to have hashtag Quantum Steve on the show. This is very good. Um, <laughs> well, I can understand why with the with my tremendous knowledge of pop culture. I'm sure I'll be a, a great addition to this. This is why I'm excited. This is this is fantastic. <laughs> so you chose. Um, you didn't chose the date. You chose the the movie Starship Troopers. And actually, I think you've mentioned that on the show before that you like that film. And I like that film too. And Chris does not like that film. So why don't we get into it? Yeah, I mean, I guess so I'll I, start. So um, uh, I'm here with the producer of my favorite podcast, and I'm here with Carano, and uh, <laughs> and they both like this movie that is one of the fucking worst things we've covered on this show. This I don't movie is that. fucking horrible. Are you telling I, I me? Need, I need you to. You guys are both bright guys. I need you to explain why it's even tolerable. It's a huge satire. It's a satire of fucking militarism of, of like, yeah. And I I think the reason why it's such a fascinating movie for me is because it's a movie that the perception of it has changed uh, over the, you know, the sense it came out dramatically. Like when it came out, it was considered kind of just a flop, just a cornball, just a bad science fiction movie. But then the more people thought about it and the more it resonated uh, with the, the people who were watching it, maybe it spoke to the, the political moment that we were living in. But now people regard it as one of the great science fiction movies and a great work of satire. See, that's what they regard it as. A plus movie, two thumbs up, Chris. I'm in a producer hell right now. <laughs> this is, this is not, not a good place to be. Uh, no, this, this movie is, this movie is uh, horrible. Uh, and I understand that they are trying to go for that satire. They have those like commercial, like commercial breaks in between. Oh, the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not subtle. Like no. it's very obvious. But he's almost like, you know, Verhoeven, the director, made a bad movie on purpose. He cast people that can't act like intentionally. I, and it wasn't a budget issue. That's actually no, that, yeah, that's, that's probably that, the that was part of that was part of the satire. Maybe so. I mean, that was part of that would be my criticism that, of it because it was a hundred million dollar movie to oh, make, which is a lot of money. Back it is then. a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of money. That's, a, that, that's a that's an insane budget for a movie that you don't know anyone. Like no, there's no. I know Neil Patrick Harris, whatever. But there's yeah, no but real not names. at the time. Like you knew. Yeah. He, actually, he, you would have considered him sort of past his prime at that time because that right. was right after Doogie and before he hit you know, his other network There's stuff. There's nobody in this movie that people would have had a real connection to in 1997 besides Harris. But like you said, he would have been a has-been. Yeah, who's the woman that... Um, uh, Denise Richards. Denise Richards, She maybe? hadn't done uh, Wild Things yet. Oh, she hadn't? And that she was hadn't great. done the James uh, Bond movie yet. So oh, like, yeah. this is like a cast of unknowns in a $105 million movie that is... I, I know you guys appreciate the satire, but this movie is is bad. Like that script is bad. You think it's bad? That script yeah, is but see, horrible. See, that's the that's the thing. But but that's that's part of the the satire in the critique of uh, you know a militarized modern nation that the movie's making. Like first of all, just start out at the beginning. The, the, we're going to war against like bugs on some planet. Like why why couldn't they just come up with a way like send Bruce Willis to stop those asteroids from hitting America? I mean, for hitting hitting the planet. Like there are so many better ways that they could have defeated the arachnid nemesis than by just dropping a bunch of soldiers down on the ground. And then the funniest thing is at the end of the movie 
when they're like, we've got new and better ways to fight the bugs, and they've ju- they just decided to start using bazookas. It's like, I know you're, you know, you guys can build spaceships and travel all the way across the fucking universe to go kill these bugs, and you just now are learning to use bazookas. So that, n- no single part of it makes sense. That's a, that's a great point because what are they what are they left with in, in the beginning when they first land on the planet? These machine guns that it takes exactly. them like four hundred like fucking no new- rounds. To take them We're out. We're not using nuclear weapons. We're not using <laughs> nuclear weapons. We're not just blowing them up from our spaceships. Like, really? We're going to, like, Nuke go from get on the ground and, like, wrestle with some big fucking bugs? Like, no, literally no part of it makes sense. It shows the idiocy of... of uh, oh, it, of, it, it showed. Right. On purpose, though. Okay. See, I like Verhoeven because of Robocop, which is another satire. Another it, great it satire. And that satire works. Have you seen Robocop, Steve? Uh, yeah, I've seen RoboCop a long time ago. Yeah, like that satire is really funny. It's the same writer too yep. who, did, who, who did this and did RoboCop. Yeah, and that's really worked. And then Verhoeven did Total Recall, which is a fantastic right. science yeah. fiction movie. Total, I think to, Total Recall is probably is probably better than Starship Troopers. Schwarzenegger's fantastic. The, oh, the entire without movie. a I doubt. Think the, I think the the uh, the first one is better than the remake with uh, oh. Colin. What's his name? Oh, Colin yep. Farrell. Oh, I haven't even far, seen. I haven't far seen Far better. Far better. Uh, Same thing with the. the oh, really? The, I watch it. I, I think the Colin Farrell one is good, uh, but it's just not as good as Schwarzenegger's. And I, like the I really vintage like the original. 1990s, you know, uh, fake special effects. Yeah. I think yeah. I think it's really good. So to do those movies, and then and then after this, Verhoeven goes kind of weird. He does this movie and he does Showgirls. He's doing like bad movies that become cult classics. I yeah. know. And then, and see, you're right. This did this did become a cult classic. Yeah, Showgirls made like a hundred million in rentals afterwards, which is crazy. It's such a shit movie. Yes. Yeah. And, and both of these movies both became you know famously so bad they're good movies. I guess I don't put that. I don't put them anywhere near in the same category. That was just a huge miss. Showgirls was, but this one isn't. I mean, you right from the beginning, it's like libertarian, um, you know, ideas like right, like right from the beginning in the classroom, he's ta- he's talking about the force of the state. And it's, it's just, it just seems like such a huge, I, I just got the message like right away that this is going to be a satire, that they're going to go after the military industrial complex and the you know the idea is that you can just solve all your problems by by war. I mean, it was the humans that started this fucking thing anyway. They went into the you know the aliens' space and uh, and started trying to colonize their own their own space. So they just tried to defend themselves. Right. Yeah. I think at the end you're supposed to feel bad for the 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 bugs, right? Because they're like, oh, they're scared, and they yeah, all kind yeah, of mock yeah. how scared yeah. they are. But at yeah. the end of the day, the bugs are probably the the good guys if you look at it from the you know the bugs seem to do less wrong than the humans. Right. But Verhoeven wants to make the bugs look as ugly as possible. So you really have a hard time. You have a, right. you have to make that decision. It's, it's a tough decision to make, but then you also see Rico. Cool. Yeah. So let's get into the, um, the, the, I guess the casting choices here, because it's really, this movie is, is amazingly, it's amazingly poorly cast because you have characters like Johnny Rico. And I, I guess they're out of Buenos Aires, but they took like the whitest people, possible i could believe these yeah. <laughs> that's that's another confusing thing but but i think that's part of it being a modern society because the 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 idea is you know we're a couple hundred years in the future and buenos aires is now like a, a chic uh, you know filled with you know white yuppies like johnny rico's parents are very obviously supposed to be like yeah they, they, like they could be on cape cod They're or something. Yeah. yeah okay fine do you ever for a second believe that east richards could score a 97 on any test much less a math oh. test. <laughs> now, you're, now you're just pilot. being sexist. <laughs> she is. It is. She is so vacant. She's like a mannequin. And, and and the idea that she could somehow get a 97 on a test is is insane to me. I found her like one of the most evil characters. And so I think I think it was good that she was really vapid. She's a she's a sociopath. Like she is. She is 100 yeah. percent bought she's, into she's, the military industrial complex. 100 percent bought in. Yeah, and she she's makes more Rico go to war. Than the bugs. Yeah. She makes Rico go to war. 
Okay, yes. but why uh, would you cast I, I, someone that looks like she has, like she's mentally disabled to be in this? Well, I don't think that she looks like that. Do you? She has a vacant, empty look in her eye. I it's look, like a doll. I thought that was sociopath. I didn't. I didn't consider that vacant. Oh, I think or, I, vacant, but not dumb. You know what she's doing now? What is she doing? She now? does those Real Housewives of Beverly Hills TV show. Well, that's real life. Her. I think it was good casting because <laughs> oh, yeah, you needed you, <laughs> you needed someone with those shark eyes. <laughs> I don't even think she's the most attractive woman cast in the movie either. I think that uh, Dina Meyer, the one that uh, Rico ends up hooking up with, is actually the more attractive one. Well, she's badass too, and she's got like a lot of heart and spirit. Of course, you you ha- you're right. If well, you're Rico, you got to choose she's her. Mobile infantry man. She's not she's not some fucking pilot, some <laughs> dilettante pilot. Like they would even let women fly those things, anyways. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I- see, no. But the thing is, the thing that's interesting about Starship Troopers is that it has. It's this militaristic, very masculine society where you have to apply for a permit to have a child. Yeah. You can only vote if you serve in the military. Yet there's this radical gender equality where the the I guess the admiral of the ship that Denise Richards is flying is uh, is a female as well. It's true. Yeah, they try to make it as like even they even take showers together. That's a very famous scene. They have yeah. a, a shower where everyone's taking a very famous scene. I think that that was probably the first pair of boobs that Steve Robinson saw. Oh, <laughs> so I'm going to see why you like this movie. It has nothing to do with the script. <laughs> right, it's right? because it's the first time you saw you know, a couple jugs on your screen it's, or but, more than a couple, but, I guess. But not only that, there's a ton of action. Um, in the shower? It, no, no. There's, oh. Well, there's very little action in the shower. <laughs> there but no, there's a ton of action in the film. There's it's it's sci-fi. It's space. And and it's this big satire. I think I think it's this very enjoyable movie. Did you not enjoy this film when you watched it? I did not. I, it took me it took me honestly it took me three three sittings to, to get through it. Really, it was like a half hour chunk. So I'm like, this is awful. It's so bad. You guys you guys know that it was based on uh, like the work of a very famous science fiction writer, Robert Heinlein, right? He's like yeah. one of the like a- after Asimov. I think he's one of my favorite science fiction writers. I've been getting into a lot of his stuff lately. But even his book at the time was controversial because people were like. Uh, it came out, you know, immediately after World War Two. Yeah. People were like, wait, is this is this pro-Nazi? Like, is this pro-fascism? But, you know, he's actually trying to make a higher level argument within it. And I, I haven't finished uh, the, the book yet, but I think this movie very closely tracks it from what I've read. Well, that's that's the that's how I would say it, too, because Verhoeven lived under Nazi rule when he grew up. So, of course, he's trying to make that point. Now, one thing about Verhoeven, though, is he hated the book. He read two did, chapters yeah. of the book and then said, I can't do this anymore. This book's awful. <laughs> but this, <laughs> that's what he said. He didn't finish the book. But he I read, don't, maybe he not. He might not have got he might not have gotten the subtlety, though. But and but then he had the, the screen, director didn't get the subtlety. <laughs> this is a but, problem. Well, the screenwriter got it. And then it was through their conversation that they were able to to come up with the, the, the film. I think I think my my favorite scene in all of Starship Troopers has to involve the the brain bug that just fucking sucks the brains out. Like that's such a wildly ridiculous proposition that this huge fat bug with a little sucker <laughs> attached to it is gonna suck the brains out of a, a human and then Im- immediately absorb all of their knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's yeah. just so it's just so wildly ridiculous. Right. And like all, all of the all of the talk around like a bug that can think? No way! Like you, you have to understand how over the top that is. I, I guess that might be it. Maybe this comment, like uh, Roger Ebert in his review, said this is a great movie for an eleven-year-old boy. Like this is like the ultimate eleven-year-old boy movie, which yeah, I, I think is is true. Uh, I, I think the other thing is there's no subtlety in the comedy. When you have your other satires, like an airplane or a naked gun, or even like when we did Walk Hard with Mike, 
Yeah, that's with right. The blind mic episode. Like, yeah, those are like th- that had a lot of subtlety, and it wasn't not everything was a, as quite thrown in your face. There is no subtlety in this movie. No, everything is completely. There is subtlety in some of the themes, like the the Nazi fascist sure. themes. The themes are are subtle at times, or at least not played out to a hilt. But the comedy is not. Yeah, it's very broad. Now, Chris, did you did you attempt to watch any of the uh, uh, I guess the sequels? Not for a second. You'd have to. I think you'd have to literally put they're a put terrible. a gun in my. You have to like uh, take my brain they're out awful. of that. Like that bug did. You need they're, a bug sucker yeah. to, to make you do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't do it either. Did you? Did you watch them, Steve? Uh, yeah, I have watched them. I mean, you, you can't. You can't get through them. They're just like they're. They're. You know how there's there's like that that category of Netflix movies where you can tell that they they wrote the plot so that they could film it on one set. Oh, like yeah. It's like, you know, the, the the entire cast of three people, they're all trapped in a house for some reason. And so the entire movie just takes place in one set and they can spend, you know, like a thousand dollars on all of their set costs. That's kind of how it is. It's uh, it's uh, I think uh, Starship Troopers 2 is the only other one I've seen. And it's fucking I, terrible. I guess the third one was directed by the writer. Uh, the, the same writer for one wrote two. And then the, that same writer directed the third one, which also has Johnny Rico, that Casper Van Diem. Yeah. He's in the third one. Did, was he not in the second one? No, though? I guess not. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, why would you come back for the third? I think he was probably... He was probably hurting for money. Paycheck, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's probably he's des- desperate for money. He was I think, in an yes. alleyway somewhere giving hand jobs. Oh, just like Boogie Nights, which is the last episode. Or right. the next episode. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, very similar. Yes. yes. Casper Van Diem is the same... Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael Ironside is in this movie. He was in Top Gun. Yeah. And there are a lot of similarities, especially in the first half of this movie to Top Gun. You think so? Um, just like you have someone kind of going through training. I think Ironside was brought on because of that. Because um, that familiarity? Yeah, like They wanted to make that connection with, with yeah. people? Yeah. They thought it was like the 90s version of Top Gun? I think that was probably how they probably sold it to the studio. That's uh, how you get $105 million to do your fucking weird sci-fi bug movie. I guess so. But I think that if you watch this movie, obviously, I think you guys both agree, although there is controversy whether Steve has even seen Top Gun. Right, well, there's that, yeah. Yeah, but this movie is not like Top Gun at all. No, not at all. Uh, well, well, they're, they're not, not that first no, act no similarities. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I guess they both they both kind of glorify the military, but I don't think there's any similarity. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, no. I, I would agree. The first act, there is some, there is something when they go into training. They're trying to get that. I think some themes are there. Sure. But then once that training's over, then that's out the window completely. Um, any other notes on the casting or director, Matt? No, just besides Verhoeven, I, I think is I think he's a pretty good director. I mean, he also did Basic Instinct, which is an interesting film. He's done a, he's done a bunch of cool stuff. Um, but not showgirls, I guess. No, I, that's it for Verhoeven. Yeah, I, I would I just sh- say that the the thing that's bugged me always about Starship Troopers is like the technological plot holes. It's like, why did they just allow that asteroid to hit Buenos Aires? Like, come on, like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Don't you, don't you think a hundred years in the future we're we're tracking these bug rocks? Like, don't we have a better <laughs> planetary defense system if we have this like galactic navy and we can go invade? Uh, you know, planets that are 30 light years away. We can't like stop a rock from hitting Buenos Aires. Like what the fuck? Well, I don't understand the purpose like, of the, ro- of the rocks either. Were they, were they to spawn like to spore out into the universe? And if so, then why? No, did- it's just a missile. It's just, just a, a missile. missile. Some, somehow, somehow the bug civilization evolved the ability to shoot plasma out of the ass of one of those big <laughs> bugs and hit a rock. And somehow that rock is on the perfect trajectory to line up with, with earth. Like these, these fucking bugs, they know Newtonian mechanics and uh, you know the the orbit of Earth around the sun, and can perfectly work out the calculus to time that rock to hit Buenos Aires specifically. And you guys so like, like this movie? On. Yeah, I do. 
Yes, because it's so, it's so ridiculous and over the top. It's certainly ridiculous. This is this is the fourth. Uh, this is episode what sixty eight for us, Matt. Yeah, this is our this is the fourth worst movie we've covered for me. Did, seriously, yeah. there is no way. Yes, this is this is worse than a decent proposal. This is a B. This is B. No, the this only, is a B. No, this is not. The only movies worse than this are Alvin the Chipmunks. Well, yeah. I'm going to pull up the list identity right now. Identity. Oh, the thing is, you, you, but you, you have to understand, Chris, that it is a cult favorite. And even if you might not have an affinity for that particular cult, that it has status above other movies. Like Alvin and the Chipmunks or Indecent Proposal doesn't have this cult following of people who really like the movie and find it rewatchable. You have to see that th- this at least has that. I would agree with you. So here are the, here are the movies that I have worse than this. Alvin and the Chipmunks is, is far worse than this. Way worse. City yeah. of Angels is worse. It's worse. And yeah. Poseidon is worse. Oh, yeah. I think Indies Proposal and Da Vinci Code are better movies. No. But I will agree with Steve, though, that this movie does have more legs than those other movies do. Um, and it has more of like more a legs. shelf life. Get it? Because of the bugs? Bugs. That's right. <laughs> oh, no. But this, uh, but no, but this does, this does, this does have, you know, <laughs> have quite a, quite a shelf life to it. Yes. Uh, this movie is uh, terrible. Oh, okay. I don't all think right. it's bad at all. I, I mean, I think it it just shows the like the ridiculousness of of a military rule society of like of the only thing that they're not even really good at killing. They they're just they're good at putting people in harm way and, and creating like hamburger out of them. They, Full they, Metal Jacket is a great anti-war movie. That's also is. a great movie. This movie is a terrible movie. That's also an anti-war movie. Well, I haven't seen Full Metal Jacket forever. What? I don't know. The fuck is it? You to stop watching these fucking bug movies. Watch, we, a, watch a real fucking I didn't movie. Pick this, but Steve picked this movie. That's true. All right. It's a fantastic movie. Did you see it? <laughs> if, this movie, if this movie was on and you're like clicking through the channels, you, you sit around and watch it no matter where it is in the movie. I'd watch it. Uh, did you watch it? Uh, did you watch it when it came out? Did you see it in the theater, Steve? Because you were, what are you, uh, seven no, or eight I didn't years see, old? I didn't see it in the theaters, no. Like, when I was growing up, the nearest theater was like an hour away. So when oh we went God. to go see a movie, it was, a, it was a, an event. You're from Dexter. Is that still the case in Dexter? Is that nearest theater is an hour away? Uh, yeah, unless something's changed. I mean, we had to go to, uh, I think Orono near Bangor was where the closest theater was. Wow. I think there was, there was one in Dover Foxcroft for a little while, but it was, it had like one screen and sometimes it wasn't open. Yeah. No, like going, going to the movies on a regular basis just wasn't part of, part of my childhood. So you watched a lot of, uh, VHSs. So you couldn't even like take a date to a movie. You, you weren't doing that when you're 16, 17 years old, you have your license. You're not taking a date. To yeah. A movie. I mean, after we got our license. Yeah. I mean, after we could drive, we could go all the way to Orono, but usually going to the movies involved roping a parent into taking us to go see it. So. It's a long drive. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a that's a big trip. Yeah, yeah. But two hours, two hours drive, yeah. drive time just to see a movie. And and if it, the movie starts at like nine or something, and then you're like, yeah, yeah I can home till midnight, twelve thirty, one o'clock. So, yeah. yeah, it just wasn't wasn't a big big part of my childhood. Might explain why I'm so fucking ignorant about pop culture. <laughs> but did you, you got to the bottom of it? But you did have cable, right? Like where you you were watching. You know, you had uh, full speed cable. We TV? had cable off and on. My what my parents would do is they would. Uh, We'd get rid of cable at the beginning of the summer, so because we're at like a camp playing outside, yeah. And then they'd like put a put a bow on the TV or for Christmas and be like, "Hey, we got cable." So we'd, have like, we'd have it for three months, and then they'd get rid of it again. And every every Christmas, wow, we got cable back, sweet. A very Dexter cruel. Christmas. <laughs> so cruel. <That's> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh man! So you weren't you? Were, so you weren't hey, like fuck well, off, Chris. 
Well, no, he had the same. Chris had the same issue when he moved to New Hampshire, right? You well, didn't no, have- we didn't have quite, like, quite the same issue. But yes, I, I grew up in New York until I was nine, and I had HBO cable everything my entire childhood. And then I moved to New Hampshire to a dirt road, and we they didn't have cable on my road. So I'm stuck with that oh, fucking man. antenna. What I would have given, what I would have given for uh, some Cinemax when I was a kid. <laughs> I was watching Playboy on Channel 98 through the squigglies. Oh, the squigglies! You're hoping to get the right static. Like you're hoping the static stops for a second. You can make out a nipple or something. Yeah. It's fucking awful. Um, anything else on uh, this movie? Do you have anything else in this movie, Steve? Uh, no, I've, I've actually I uh, ordered the novel on Amazon. I'm looking forward to reading it. So, do you- um, if, if 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 you're interested in in this like. Some of this kind of science fiction. Uh, Robert Heinlein, uh, he wrote he wrote um, Harsh Side of the Moon. Yeah, I think I mentioned on the on the show with Kirk that I was reading that one. That's another good one that has strong political tendencies because it's about a a lunar mining colony that's basically like it was well, a penal colony and a farm colony that's like a client state or a servant state of a federated Earth government. Yeah, and they go through a revolution. Uh, basically, like it, there's strong themes of like anarchy and political revolution in it. But it's a it's a really good book. I'm actually um, I'm on a kind of a Heinlein kick right now. I need to start reading because I really love science. Like you, I love science fiction. And Heinlein, I know that or Heinlein, he's um, I don't think that he considered himself liberty oriented or libertarian. But a lot of the libertarians that I know like first got into libertarianism because they read his books and they were like, Oh, this yeah, is these yeah. themes. I, I think he's, very much, he's very much a product of like the, um, the world war two era. Yeah. Um, I'm actually the one, the one I'm reading right now is called the, uh, the sixth column. And it's, it's another one that's just so fucking ridiculous. Like the earth has been taken over by the quote pan Asians, which are very clearly like imperialistic Japan. Yeah. And somehow these holdout American scientists have developed a ray that can just kill uh, Asian people. Oh, they make a movie out of that. I'm moving to Dexter. So you don't have to see it. So you don't have to see it. They've got cable now. Um, all right. So then maybe we'll move into the song, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So doesn't get much better. It doesn't get much better. Um, but Just awful, awful. I, pick, I but awful. I did pick one that I figured you would know that maybe this would be anthemic yes. for you. That yes. maybe like you and would be. It's pl- interesting. It's interesting that this is kind of like on the the opposite spectrum, where with Heinlein and Starship Troopers, you have this kind of like uh, libertarian, uh, pro individual individual satire of an authoritative state. Yeah. And now with Chumba Wumba, we have these fucking pinky rig thug anarcho piss chucking libs. Yeah. So Chumba Wumba is a British rock band. Um, they were around from 1982 into 2012. So they like. They had a they had a run, but you're exactly right. I, and I, I picked them too because because it, it was interesting. They like they consider themselves they consider themselves a anar- uh, socialist libertarian, which doesn't I don't even get how that those those words don't work the same to me in my head. But when they like their first songs sounded kind of like this. Hmm. Right. Like that's a little well time to wake up. Like you listen to uh, Sorry, I'm having technical difficulties here. Steve, could you hear that song? Yeah, I could hear it. Yeah, so that it's it's I think they, they're uh, because they had such a long run. I think they went through several different stages and tried to reinvent themselves and do you know uh, different kinds of music. But I mean, they're they're a, a one hit wonder, right? Yeah, so they had totally. a, they had a couple. They had that one, and then they had this other um, uh, amnesia. Well, they had Tub Thumping, which I'll, right. I'll play in a second. But they had this amnesia. 
Which oh. is a better song. The Amnesia song? Yeah, Amnesiac. It's a better Am- song. It's just the one. That's not the one either. Ah, oh, technicals. If only we had a producer here on the show that could help us. Amnesiac's uh, <laughs> uh, a better song. Um, it, it was off that same album. Um, but obviously, you know, tub thumping is what they're known for. Like, they're totally a one-hit wonder. I mean, okay. they're the epitome of it. I'm I mean, gonna give you of course, because it was such a it was such a fucking stupid song that it just played over and over and over and over again. God. There you go. Here we go. Yeah. Thanks. It's gonna be stuck in everyone's yeah. heads. I think everyone knows the song. Um, we never need to hear that again, Matt. Everyone knows the song. Um, yeah. So that's obviously you know. Tub thumping, the most annoying song, maybe Kissing of that year. Kissing the night away. So, but you Beautiful go, rendition. but you go from this "Enough Is Enough" song, that first one that I played, which yes. they're, so they're a, they're a politically active band, and and you see that a lot in in arts cultures, right? But then they like they sell out, they completely sell out with tub thumping. Like they 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 write it to become a hit. Not only do they do, does this thing chart and sell millions of copies and go everywhere, they actually like. Uh, let it they let it be used on video games like ea sports um uh soccer 98 okay. yeah or even like their you know their uh, a general motors ad they get paid a hundred thousand dollars to do that like completely sold out like how do you how do you look your your like your activist people in the face after you do something like this well i guess my question. Didn't, they, didn't they take didn't they take like uh the gm money and then spend it on a campaign to uh, you know, publicize like environmental damage that GM was doing. It might not have been GM, but I know that there were some instances where they they did some gimmicky thing, like t- they took a payout uh, to license the song and then put it towards some kind of political activism opposed to whoever was paying them. They did something stupid like that. But maybe they, I maybe- think the thing is that they don't have they don't have like a coherent political philosophy. No. They just have like punk punk causes that act as like a complement or a, a decoration around the band reputation or image that they're trying to cultivate. Yeah, it did start as anti-violence and anti-oppression from the state, which you can all sort of, you can get behind, but then it, you're right. They, they sort of like kind of go all over the place from there. Uh, there, one of the female lead singer says, nothing can change the fact that we like it when cops get killed by Alice Nutter. Oh my God. I know she's terrible. Well, she's hey, hey there, there you go. She was, she was prescient. I mean, that's <laughs> what was that in the in the nineties? Uh, yeah, that was right. Eighties, yeah, like ninety eight. That was right yeah. after Tub Thumping. There yeah. we go. She 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 could stand right alongside uh, AOC and Ayanna Presley. She's a uh, you know a modern American liberal. They the this when when this song came before the song came out before they made this song they were pretty close to breaking up I guess and I guess they were this was kind of like their last swing at trying to maybe make some money before they get out of the you know, this being in this band. Well, it makes sense. And then because the song was so so successful, they didn't stick around for another, I don't know, like say six or seven years. They stuck around as a band because of the, you know, the money, I guess maybe helped. Um, Yeah. It's funny. It's funny how a bunch of money can change the equation. Absolutely. (laughs) But Uh, not only that, they also had like, they had some backing from other bands. Here's, here's the uh, flaming lips version. Flamey Licks did a did a remix of it. All right, yeah. You know what, I'd almost I'd almost compare it to like um, Gangnam Style by Psy, where it's just it's not like good music, but it's just such a weird, like repetitive song that it it develops. It's like you're not you're not uh, you know firing up your your iPod or something. You're like, oh, my, the vibe I'm feeling right now is Chumbawamba. Um, <laughs> it is. It, it's almost like a song that was made to be 
in a commercial or in a video game or something or like as part of a, a you know a montage scene in a movie or a or sporting like, event know, the, the, yeah the boxers training or something right it's yeah a, it's a gimmicky sense. song it's of its time and we were in, you know like stacy's mom Stacy's mom, or we ran into this like with Macarena. Right. There's these like novelty songs that yeah. kind of just come yeah. in, and like like Steve said, like it's not something you'd ever choose to listen. Like you like right, you would never like play this album the whole thing. No one would do that. The difference to me is those songs were about like they they were they knew that they were making stupid songs. Like the Macarena, they knew it was a bad song, or like Stacy's mom, they knew it was like a goofy a whatever song. song. Yeah. I don't think these guys necessarily. It seemed like they did know this. Was you think dumb. they knew they it was made dumb? this to make money? They Did made they? this to they so you made this to try to have like you said they try to have a hit they tried to make this because they knew it was like a silly dumb song. That's hard to take from from a political band though for some like because think think of like U two doing something like that now U two has way more success but they I mean they really started as a sort of a revolutionary band. Well, Bruce Springsteen has Santa Claus is coming to town. I guess he does. Every band has like one or two dumb. I mean, I love Pearl Jam. They're you know they're hyper liberal. They have. You know, they're more liberal than I am, certainly. Yeah. But they have some goofy. They have a song about bugs. It's I just, guess. It's like bugs and uh, organs. Like it's just every every band has a dumb song. I guess. Yeah. And this song, I, though, I, think it's kinda, like, I think it's kind of cool how diverse the uh, like the instruments are within the band. Like, I mean, obviously, I went and read up on Chumbawamba before you we were going to do this. <laughs> and just the fact that they've got, like, uh, you know, a flugelhorn player and a, uh, you know, ukulele and all those different things, which you don't really see. You don't really see a diverse array of instrumental talents showing through in fucking Chumbawamba. No, you don't. But that's what, when you're kind of a hippie band like that, you sort of attract, you know, a bunch of different, like an amalgamation of different parts. Except and, for they can't, they can't really be a hippie band because they're from the United Kingdom. They're more just like just trash Brits, like <laughs> trash version of British people. You should tell us how you really feel, Steve. It's, it, sadly, it's been our last episode if we get canceled. Uh, but it's been fun doing Quantum Week with you, Matt. It's been some time. No, you guys, have you guys not been listening to the Kirk Minahan show? You can make fun of white people. That's true. That is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. 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 White, it's open season. That's right. That's right. So we could do those accents. We can, we can mock Trump. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, good. You, can do, right. you can do British accents. You can do Italian accents, French, German. Those are fine. I just have a lot. I have an easier time listening to, to sell out songs like this from bands who don't take themselves so, so seriously, or at least before. Like I have. So here's another, here's another, um, another song. This is from, do you know, did you guys uh, hear this one back in the day? This is actually a little bit earlier. It's a great song. You like this song? I do. By Big, Big Audio Dynamite? Yeah. Dynamite? I love this song. But it's kind of the Operation same. No Wind. Yeah, yeah it's it's sort of like that similar kind of vibe. Sort of anthemic, very up, poppy. But they're not taking themselves seriously, whereas Chumbawamba... I didn't know this beforehand until I looked into it after we were going to do this this uh, this episode with Steve that they were a political band. I was like, this is just a stupid no Stacy's mom band yeah. who doesn't give a shit about anything. But to see all like that... I don't know. They're They're... The, their political leanings and their, you know, their the, whatever, f the police and all that but again, stuff. Again, I, I don't, I don't really think they're they're like a political band. I think it's a, it's part of their decoration. Like, you know, Den, Dennis Rodman was just another great NBA player until he started dyeing his hair and piercing his nose and acting like, you know, acting wacky. But now he made him a lot more money because of it, and, and so they yeah. wanted to stylize themselves and getting invested in some like animal rights cause or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too cynical, but that's just the way I interpreted it. I don't know. The worm stopped war with North Korea. That's right. Dennis Rodman <laughs> said the world. That's true. It's true. <laughs> There's a lyric in this song that really has bothered me since it came out. What is it? It says, uh, 
we'll have a drink and talk about the good times. Yeah. We'll have a, a then we'll have another drink and talk about the better times. Why not just cut out the middleman and just talk about the better times? Why even have the good times? It's it's these guys aren't lyrical geniuses. You know, yeah, like say the lyrics the lyrics really don't make us like what's a what's a, a whiskey drink? Years. I'll have a vodka drink. I'll have a vodka drink? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. All like, the drinks he has. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's not much of a song. You know, the song sucks. Is this gonna make your top five, Matt? My top five. Oh, bottom five, excuse me. It. Well, I don't think it can hit the bottom five. There's so much shit no, that we've gone through. Either. Like, yeah, we. I don't yeah. think it can. But I'll uh, say it's bad. this: Starship Troopers is worse than Tub Thumping. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 Starship yes, Troopers that's is preposterous. A, that's, <laughs> that's, that is true. That's a bad take. That We're is, gonna put a poll out there, and you're gonna yes, get destroyed oh, on yeah, that we'll take. We'll do a poll. We'll do a poll. Which, <laughs> is worse? Which one's worse? Yeah. yeah you'll get take. completely destroyed. I, I'm a, yeah. Well, I don't care. I'm right. Um. I don't have much more to say about this, but um. I was hoping to hear like. Like Steve, how old were you? What else? What else happened in 1997? Well, I've got some news and events, but like, what were you doing? You so you were like eight years old. Were you born in '89? Uh, yes. So what? So you're eight year eight year old Steve. What are you doing with yourself? Uh, so I I guess I was in third grade. I would have been in uh, Mr. Prescott's class, and third grade was really the 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 last time that I wasn't a stellar student. Things really turned around by fourth grade, and I was getting like a hundred and fives in every single class. But uh, Mr. <laughs> Prescott was possible. a tough one for me. <laughs> what, what, I think I was, I think I was uh, just just beginning to learn how to um, misbehave and be a piece of shit. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> and you were you were in Dexter, Maine, and you, like it was very remote. And like, so you didn't have a movie theater nearby. Like, how many stores do you have? Did you have in Dexter at that time? Like, what? What? Do, I've never been to Dexter. What yeah, do, is there downtown? What, like, yeah, what's it like? What am I walking into? Yeah. So there's 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 there is a downtown. There's um a a movie based on a Stephen King novel, and I'm forgetting which one it is. But it opens with like a, a it pans out on the main street in Dexter. Ooh. If you if you try, if you if you Google it, I think it's probably on the Dexter's uh, Wikipedia page. Um, is it but, not so needful there's, things? There's a main street, but there's like. You know, there's a Rennie's, there's the town hall, there's a hardware store, there's a, a bank, and then maybe a restaurant or something or a karate studio. So pretty much everything is right there on that main street at the bottom of Zions Hill. And I lived I lived on Abbott Hill, which was like the, um, I don't know if it's the highest elevation, but it's basically, you know, it's a, it's a big hill next to Lake Wasakeg. And the high school was right across the street from my house and the middle school and primary school were just up the street. Yeah. And I lived in the same house, uh, you know, all 18 years of my life and was always walking to school. So even when I was in third grade, I'd be getting up in the morning, fixing myself breakfast and walking to school. Was it Needful Things, uh, the the book? Stephen King. Stephen King book? Um, yeah, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure. So, so you see, it sounds almost like a, a Norman Rockwell type existence. Like you have, like, it seems very much like you're in a small town. I'm guessing everybody knows each other. Um, is that pretty accurate yeah. or no? Yeah, no, I, I think it was a, basically just your classic, uh, classic American childhood. I mean, my, um, uh, my older brother and my younger sister, we all played sports, all went to the same schools. Everybody knew everybody. And, uh, actually when I was in, um, I guess this would have been a few years after 1997. My best friend, actually, his parents bought the house right next door to mine. So oh, that's for a cool. time, like all of my friends, you know, you get out of school and just everybody's hanging out at one of our houses, just raising all kinds of hell, getting into <laughs> tons of trouble and not nearly supervised enough. That sounds, that sounds awesome. So you are more of a troublemaker then than you are now. I mean, you're not looked at as a troublemaker now. Did you just get that out of your system when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, I think so. But I, I always, I, I could always get away with stuff cause I got good grades. 
Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, like my, I think my parents thought that Ben, my old, older brother, yeah. was more of a troublemaker than I was because he was getting like C's and B's. And so they were very critical of him. But as long as I was getting A pluses, I could just get away with fucking murder. <laughs> It's a good. It's a good lesson to have. There you go. As long as you succeed in school, yeah. you can get. You can literally do whatever you want. So, what was the difference between third grade and after third grade in terms of you doing better with your studies? Did you just like? Did you just... I'm not sure. I think. I think maybe school just kind of clicked for me. Yeah. Uh, by by the time I got to fourth grade, and then it's just I, I have a, a pretty good memory, so it just uh, it became like test taking. I always loved taking tests because it was always so easy. Uh, might have been a difference of the of the teachers. I'm not sure the, the nature of the coursework, but then after after that, I think I was probably top of my class until I graduated my senior year. And how many people were in your class? Oh well, see, we don't like to talk about that. I was I was the top, top of my class. <laughs> Three. <laughs> we, we don't we didn't have to worry about how many people were in my senior <laughs> class, but that, that, that's uh, all right. Twenty uh, twenty five people is fine. Do we count Do we count them as two if they're pregnant when we graduate? <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure. Yes. I don't even think uh, I think I maybe knew one I think there were like 110 in my graduating class oh that's not bad that's yeah what, that's, that's, not, not that's bad. about what my school was yeah was it like a co-op though was it was it multiple towns all in the uh on the same school system or, or was yes. it just Dexter yes yeah yeah it was the uh, Dexter Regional High School uh so that's like uh Dexter Garland Exeter Ripley Cambridge and maybe some others I'm not sure would you have traded your childhood to be to like grow up in a like a city or, or something that was more urban? Oh fuck no. No, God. Cities are disgusting. <laughs> I'm serious. People aren't people aren't meant to live stacked on top of each other like this. It's it's awful. It fucking degrades the soul. It's b- miserable. Cuz now you're li- you're living in Boston. And that's not No, uh, I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's an informed perspective. Before before I lived in a city, I was just, you know, baseless prejudice against city people, but now I just really uh, cities are are disgusting. They're filthy, they smell full of liberals. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> you I I will say that the really the premise of this whole show is that cities are terrible because Matt and I Matt was in Oakland for a long time, I was in New York City for a long time. Yeah. Um and we both came back to this area in the last 5 or 10 years and a good chunk of this show is the yeah, you guys, to hating you on guys figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you guys free? Are you guys free staters? I would consider myself that Chris does not. Um, I think Matt's is oh, a really okay. bad libertarian, which is probably you're true. a terrible libertarian. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, true. you have see, no, you don't. See, you, I think Matt, I think Matt hides how much of a libertarian he is. Oh, I would, I will openly say that I'm an anarchist. That, that I'm yeah. an anarcho-capitalist. Yes. Yeah, Matt's insane. I'm not uh, insane. You, I'm, I'm, you, I'm principled. You, I'm a normal human being. I'm Matt, principled. Yeah, all right. That's one way to say <laughs> no, it. No, that, that's, what, that's what Lee Harvey Oswald said. No, no, yes. no, no. Because I no, <laughs> my principle is a non-aggression principle. That's different yeah, than yeah, leading... Sounds, sounds real normal. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk headlines. And I wanted to give, I wanted to give uh, Steve the first headline. Oh, yeah, from, yeah. Uh, so this was the week we talk about it on the, on the next show. But this was the uh, week where uh, Giuliani won his second term as New York mayor. And I didn't know if oh, you okay. ever ran into Giuliani when you were with Harry Carr or if you had any like interactions with him at all, so positive, negative or. Uh, yeah, we had him as a guest on the show a couple of times. I mean, uh, good guy. I, I hear he likes uh, spelunking around Ukraine looking for <laughs> Hunter Biden's used crack pipes these days. But I mean, he's gone. Uh, you know, he's he's. B- gone a little wacky i think that uh rudy's downfall really started i think with joe biden wasn't joe biden the one who said uh uh you know for rudy giuliani to make a sentence all he needs is a a subject a verb and 9-11 or something like that (laughs) 
he had some zany one-liner that really just like revealed that Rudy's like his his you know leadership of New York City after uh, the 9/11 terrorist attacks was really like the only thing he had on his resume what? other than you know cleaning up the crime in New York City but I think that's really when his downfall started when when Joe Biden gets the better of you with yeah. a, a political joke then uh, you're fucked well I remember after 9-11 thinking that Giuliani did a good job. I read his book, Leadership, right after then. And I was like, you know, I, I thought he I thought he was a pretty sane guy. Actually, he came to New Hampshire to campaign. Um, he did. And I, I went and saw him. I was, uh, I think it was at the Wentworth-by-the-Sea, and I was there. I shook his hand. And what, what's, what, um, what stays with me is he was he had so much makeup on because there were going to be TV candidates. He looked like, like Herman Munster or something. He looked crazy. Um, but, but yeah, I, but I thought like, oh, this is kind of a reasonable guy. And he, he kind of, he brought, he helped bring us through a really tough time, but then he just lost it at the, at the, See, uh, at the debates, Ron Paul, like totally just deconstructed him there too. I have a different take on his campaign you too. Pro- yeah, you probably so do. I have, I have some, I'm a, I, I love the primaries and I was in New Hampshire when he was, when he was just like you were. You yeah. Know yeah. Me? And, uh, I was told the only person in, in primary recent primary history who had a worse campaign than Giuliani was Fred Thompson. Yeah, Fred oh, Thompson's geez. campaign yeah. was horrible. It was bad. He didn't like. He didn't give a fuck. No, he didn't. And uh, Giuliani's campaign was like, equal, like I don't know who's running his campaign, but I guess it was just a disaster. It was a complete disaster. The makeup thing makes total sense. Yeah, and I, I think that was. I mean, you know, maybe it was Biden too, but that was his downfall. I remember. I just vividly remember him at the debates, just getting just oh, yeah, completely yeah. destroyed by Ron Paul. It was. Yeah, it's not good. And that's when also, I started I thinking think about Ron my, Paul. My memory of Rudy's campaign was, you know, some people really liking him and but then there being this question of like, oh, I don't know, he's divorced. Is, he, is that going to play with the uh, moralistic <laughs> side of the Republican Party? And it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> like less than 10 years later, we've got Donald Trump, you know, I, he <laughs> things, had mul- have, things uh, have kind of changed. <laughs> Julian had multiple, right? Wasn't he on his like third wife? By yeah, one of his wives yeah, was his second was. cousin. Oh, yeah. It was the, the criticism yeah. of, of both he and Newt Gingrich is, you know, can the, will the Republicans nominate yep. someone who's had a divorce? And I guess we've kind of we've settled that matter. The but, answer is I mean, yes, Newt yes. did divorce his wife when she was getting treatment for cancer. Right. That's a special kind of Correct. love. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's... It is. I actually, I met, I met uh, Newt Gingrich and Callista Gingrich when I was in D.C. right after college. I was working for Regnery Publishing, and Regnery has published a ton of Newt's, like, political nonfiction books, and I think some of his historical fiction. Uh, but at the time, they were publishing Callista, publishing Callista Gingrich's book which was about Ellie the elephant and her, uh, his magical <laughs> journeys through American history. Sounds I just remembered, like I was just sitting in my cubicle and I just looked up and here's this just massive, massive head just floating <laughs> down the hallway very slowly looking around like, oh, I'm Newt Gingrich. Yeah, I'm kind of important. <laughs> like, Is he really short one, too? One of the most, it, um, I don't know. Everybody's really short to me. He's, he's yeah, probably, he's probably five ten ish. If you're less than six feet, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. <laughs> Giuliani was taller than I thought, though. I think he was like six one. I think he's my height. He was taller than I expected when mm, I met really? him. Really? Yeah. I thought he'd be short too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I saw him. I was like, "Well, this is kind of a monster of a man." You know, with his makeup and um, yeah, a monster. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. uh, what are the headlines you have, Matt? The other headlines, um, very sports oriented. Nomar Garcia Para voted Rookie of the Year this week. Um, he was the sixth person ever to be unanimously voted Rookie of the Year. He had two hundred nine hits, eleven triples, sixty nine. 
uh, multi-hit games and a 30-game hit streak. I totally remember this too because I'm in yeah. college, and um, a buddy from college was like, well, loved Nomar. He was like, he he knew him from you, like you college. You were in college shit. in 1997. God damn it, Steve. Yeah, I mean, we we both did. Holy shit! I know. I, know, I, I, know. I should have gone. I had friends that went. I took two and a half years off. You guys, yeah. you guys, you guys both wear it well. Well, I know. I mean, I'm a good-looking motherfucker, but yeah, no, I'm fine. I just you turned 42. <sighs> 40 goddamn two, Awful. Steve. Yeah. But anyway, Nomar. So uh, that was uh, that was this week. Yes, Nomar. The other problem was 97 Red Sox were terrible. They were they went bad. 78 and 84. Yeah. Um, they finished in fourth place that year. We're not a good team, and um, but Nomar was like the only positive thing on that team. So that's all you heard about all summer was was Nomar. Nomar. So but but uh, but he was great. I, and yeah. I think he every, has every kid at school. Every kid at school. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh well, every every kid at school had a Nomar Garcia Parra jersey. It was like he was like the uh, the, the the Michael Jordan of New England. Oh, he was. was like every single person wanted to have one of his jerseys. I didn't watch a lot of Red Sox baseball growing up, but I I don't know if I ever saw Nomar play, and I probably had a Nomar Garcia Parra shirt or something. I started paying attention that next year in 1998, and I was watching most of the games. But he has one of the most underwhelming careers in my opinion, based on what his upside was. That's not true at all. You don't think so? No. I mean, he just, the injuries just killed him. Check out a guy named Herb Score. Well, I don't know Herb Score. Was well, he I, from I, the 1930s? 1950s. Well, but, who cares about Herb Score from the 1950s? Because well, he had a more <laughs> underwhelming career than Nomar. Nomar had five, like, Hall of Fame seasons. He did, but he'll never, but he should have oh, yeah, been. He used steroids to get his wrist, wrist smashed by a pitch. I mean, that's, that's a double whammy. What's next? I'm not saying it's bad luck or whatever. So who was the NL and um, an AL manager of the year that year? Oh, Davey Johnson in the AL? National League was Bobby Cox? No, Dusty Baker, All right. San Francisco Giants. But Davey Johnson resigned from the Orioles, and he still won the, the uh, well, manager of the year. He resigned after he got the award. He did, yeah. Right. And yes. then went into managing the, the uh, Nationals, I think, maybe the next year, something no, like that. No, the Nationals weren't even a team that year. So. I thought it was the year after, though. No. When was it? Much later. Man, okay. Good. Nomar, Nomar really dropped off the map after baseball. You know, you don't see him. You don't see him like uh, you know endorsing Gatorade or he, anything um, like that, or having like any any kind of social media presence. He's just gone. No, he does uh, Dodger games. He's a broadcaster now. Is he? he yeah. He, he oh, was yeah. on ESPN. Like oh, okay. well, if you're well, in well, LA, you, he 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 married Mia Hamm, the soccer yeah. player. And um, they're in LA. So if you're in LA area, you see him. He's almost kind of like um. Oh, uh, okay. Like you know, like Tim Wakefield here. Like if you were in yeah. New England, you think Tim Wakefield was gone. But if you're no, but if you're in Boston, you see him. It's that kind of thing. Right. Very uh, oh, okay. territorial. He's not good on air though. He He's was on terrible. ESPN for a He's while. So boring. He's really boring. Really boring. I, just He's like Wakefield. Act. He hates yeah. the media too. Hated the media. Hated him. Yeah, and hated Boston. I mean, yeah. I, I don't blame him. Like he he kind of got he kind of got shit on towards the end there eh, before he was traded. He's fine. I know he's fine. I mean, he's got a lot of money and he's married to Mia Ham. But uh, well, I, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Devil Rays named their first. Manager this week, Larry Rothschild. Larry Rothschild. How about that, huh? Very good. Steel trap. Steel. Yeah, you're losing a couple of miles per hour yep. on that fastball, but still. And then the last one I have is Mr. Bean opened in the United States. Rowan Atkinson's film. Mm, okay. Yeah. Did you like Mr. Bean? Yeah, he's all right. I think but he's like, all right. I, I know. I know the character, right? He's that like uh, funny, wacky, idiot type guy. Yeah. Silent. He's, he's British. Movie, Mr. Bean. Yeah. He like yeah, he's like a lot of like he doesn't he doesn't say anything at all really. No, he doesn't. He's silent. He and like he, he makes little grunts and stuff yeah. and, and contorts his face. Yeah. yeah he's oh right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not great. Not great. Yeah, That's what I'm not, not a fan. Again, it's it's a, there's, um, 
it's it's really all been downhill for the Brits since 1812, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was their peak. It's it all. Yeah. I mean, they did have the Beatles, uh, Radiohead, Eddie Izzard. Anybody else? <laughs> I'll say this. I'd rather watch Mr. Bean three times in Starship Troopers no. once. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Come on. That's such a bad take. That's not. Our fans are going to destroy you this no, week. You realize. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's about time because I'll, they've I'll come right. after me lately. Yeah, it's about fine. time. Yeah. I'll be just fine. I think that's it. Uh, that's I think that's all I got. Steve, wait. When did when did Princess die? Die. Oh, we talk. So we talked about this yeah, we, on our next show, which we already we already did. But um, this was uh, okay. um, this was the week when that Elton John song um was uh, goodbye can- English Rose Wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wind. was was number one. So she died August thirty first, ninety seven, and um, okay. yeah, and we talked about it uh, on air, but um. Like I remember when, like I was seventeen when it happened. So I mean, I was watching that news that night, and I was like, it was crazy. Yeah, um, it was. Show- I, I just always I remember when that whole thing was happening because my mom was like, like traditional, you know, American consumer of pop culture, reading People magazine, and like, why the fuck do I care? Like, she's not a real princess. She's just she's just some <laughs> some white lady died in a car accident. Like, why is the the world in mourning here? Like, I guess she was a great person, and she had you know, uh, philanthropic endeavors, but like, why do I care? Yeah, no, she was raised very privileged. People die all the time. Yeah. Um, but, but right. She was just this iconic pop star. Basically. I can't, I mean, I know you're a little younger than us, but I cannot emphasize enough how famous she was. Like she, she was the most famous woman in the world for a while. Do you think so? That big? She was like, she was more than like Madonna or really. Yeah. Just because that she had global, level. like she had global. Everyone um, just like reach. I don't, I, I don't. I, all the baby boomers went crazy for her. Yeah, and um, so from between like eighty one to ninety seven, when she died, she was the most famous woman in the world. I, I, it was crazy. And you're right. Like, what did she accomplish? Why was she so famous? Not I, much. I, I, yeah, I, she, married, she married some guy. Yeah. That was it. It doesn't make any sense. I know that for some reason, American, even though we don't have, um, you know, royalty in the United States, we, for some reason, Americans, American pop culture really likes right. to latch onto royalty or, or like elevate people into royalty, like the Kennedys or something. Or even yeah. now with uh, Meghan Markle and, yeah, um, exactly. and Harry. For some yeah. reason, it's, it's like tabloid fodder. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it either for, for a culture that's really rejected. Um, that idea, like the idea of this, like sort of, you know, God created, um, super class. We, we really like it for some reason. I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah. It's just a strange. 1997 would also be the period in time when Linda Tripp was secretly recording Monica Lewinsky's conversations. That's right. This was like, um, um, this is this entire, like from 1996 to 1998 tail end of, uh, you know, Bill Clinton's presidency is when American politics really took a turn. I think you're right. We spent a lot of time for some reason. We just kept hitting 96. So we ran into the Bob mm-hmm. Dole Clinton campaign a yeah. lot. And it was crazy how like, you know, cause I, what I do is every week, every week we do, I go back and I read the New York times and I kind of see what was mm-hmm. kind of covered. And it was so crazy seeing the tenor toward that campaign, like how genial it was. Yes. Compared to now, yeah. Yeah. it was like a whole different fucking world. And I'm like, I was alive there. I was 16. There. I remember when this was going on yeah. and it's almost like it's a whole different country. Way different. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Way more civil. It's, it's, it's not, but I liked that We were talking about this, I think on the last episode, I liked that the wall, like the, 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 it's, it's sort of the daylight is, is show, like you can see now the ridiculousness of the political class. Like you can see it. It's yes, so how, open. How, how vulgar and corrupt yes. and crass the entire uh, display is. Yeah. <clears throat> I also think that this, that period probably because of Clinton and Lewinsky marked 
like the 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 beginning of the end for late night television. Well, that's interesting because like, you know, like Letterman and Leno were kind of in the you know the, they could see retirement on the horizon, and this was just such good material for them to to make jokes of. It was like a, they're all running soap opera that they could comment on every single night, and then after they're gone, then you have like the the, the current crop of um, uh, brainless liberals that we have right now. Do you think the Lewinsky Clinton? Uh, exposure of politics did it, or was it the internet that did it? I think the fact that we can get jokes uh, yeah, so probably quickly a now on both, Twitter because they're happening. They're happening simultaneously. And, yeah. and it's actually it's funny you say that because the the Lewinsky moment was one thing that like decentralized and really it was like a snap change for the media because Newsweek actually had the Lewinsky story. This kind of like establishment legacy media they had the Lewinsky story but for one reason or another didn't publish it and a, a guy nobody knew named Matt Drudge scooped it up <laughs> I remember and that was the beginning of the Drudge report and like I mean I know it's kind of it's it's influence is wane and traffic is waning now but the Drudge report for you know 20 years was just like the supreme arbiter of political news and and directed so much traffic and like every conservative blogger or newspaper or whatever they're writing with the goal of uh, getting a link on drudge because it can mean the difference between a, a paycheck and not having a paycheck yeah uh, but like that that whole scandal really like changed the way news and information flow it, in, it was crazy politics. when that was all going on i, mean, I remember being you know 16 17 I, you know at my house and I would go to the Drudge Report. And I'm like, this isn't covered anywhere else. This is wild. You know, I'm, you know, using AOL yeah. on dial up, <laughs> but you're, you know, you're going yeah. to these stories and you can't believe, but then like, you know, no one's really saying it doesn't exist. Like it was crazy. Like yeah. it just kind of existed out there. And then, um, and then finally it went into more mainstream media, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely the beginning of the internet having it first. Yeah. It was that drug. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever, if you ever find yourself wanting to go back and read the star report, you've definitely got to read the footnotes. That's where all the action is. That's where all like the, the salacious prurient material made its way into the footnotes. <laughs> Nothing says fun like the footnotes to the Star Report. <laughs> Only Steve Robinson would find that to be pretty, generally a fun pretty good. thing. Awesome. Um, well, Steve, I mean, thank you so much for coming on, man. Like this is this is a lot of fun. Yeah. How's how's everything going with the podcast? You guys seem to be uh, churning them out pretty reliably. Going yeah. good, yeah. You guys, you guys, Every you month guys we growing, have a little you're more advertisers. You're gonna you're gonna turn this into a business and quit your jobs. That's well, the that's plan. The, I mean, that's the goal. I think uh, we put on a good show, um, and yeah, we do have we definitely do have advertisers. Um, and every yeah, every month we have more and more downloads and subscribers. So it's it's trending in a good direction. But uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, we, we'd like, love yeah to. like some weeks you know we'll have reads, some weeks we won't. But um, but then every month we seem to get more people downloading than the month before. So we're definitely growing. We just, when you're doing it independently, you're not going to get a giant tidal wave. Like right. I think it happens like very incrementally. So, yeah, of um, course. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of the well, thing. I mean, is, even, I mean, Rogan wasn't getting, you know, 10 million downloads when he started either. You know, you got to build it slowly over time. And like a lot of it's just patience. Like oh. considering we've only been doing this for like eight, eight months, months or something. Yeah. And like we have as many downloads as we have, like we're, we're, we're incredibly fortunate, but it, you know, we're both capitalists. And we want to, we want more. So. Yeah. One more. Yeah. 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 Of course. Maybe you guys should, maybe you guys should buy a billboard. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's just probably the way. Like, this is a quantum week. What the fuck yeah. is that? <laughs> 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 uh, yes. That's uh we'll start, we'll start, we'll get a billboard. We'll start a pizza fund and we'll, we'll get right on our way. It'd be great. <laughs> yes, there you go. Exactly. And Andy Correct. Mayo uh, can criticize it. Have, you guys, have yeah. you guys bought your, you guys bought your lottery tickets yet? We did. I, I mean, honestly, I feel very 
like there's not luck is on my side on this one. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be a hot ticket. Yeah, um, I bought one. My wife bought one and we're yeah. just going to roll the dice and see what happens. I mean, I think, you know, there might be thousands of tickets. So 40, what is it? 44 people that can get into this very exclusive KMS event. Yeah, there's four, 44 people are going to win through the lottery. One person is going to win the separate lottery for a chance to uh, eat beans off the floor of our bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I see myself doing that one. I can definitely attest to the fact say, that that bathroom is yeah, disgusting. I say, Matt, you're one of the few people who's seen the bathroom. And it, again, I, in our defense, <laughs> that's how gross it was when we got there. Did you, oh, did you shit in that bathroom? Matt? I would never shit in that did bathroom. Did you shit in that bathroom? No, I, I fucking took a piss in there, but there's you no you way. Shit? No, right. no, 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 no. Right. I shit, shit, in that, shit in that bathroom all the time. Well, actually... <laughs> I don't even. It in. It's like I, a way to get sick. There's, there's also this like confusion of whether or not because there's sort of this half wall. It's like, do you close the door when you go in there or not? Do you close the door when you go nah. in there? <laughs> no. So I could just imagine like not closing the door. Steve shitting on this toilet as Kirk fucking walks in. Jesus, no, it's this is gross. Don't ever, don't ever go in there, Chris. Well, anyways, it'll it'll be cleaned eventually. I hope so. Um, I also heard that you don't you don't need my services in that that uh, that live show either, Steve. Is that is that the case? Uh, yeah. So when I when Kirk asked me, <laughs> I was thinking of it from a technical perspective, and it's going to be a pretty simple one to pull off. I wasn't thinking in terms of getting a friend into the show without having to go through the lottery. So <laughs> I mean, you know, apologies, apologies for that. No, I totally understand, but I, I hope that I get in because it's, it's, just, it's going to be it's just going to be a much simpler operation than Sako. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yet another person but just I do, body I blocked. Think, I do think we're going back to Sako next year. Uh, that might become like a, a Madawaska style uh, annual pilgrimage. I hope so. And I can't wait till Madawaska because that was ex- that was so much fun last year. Yeah, we got b- big, big plans for Madawaska. I think it's we've got some some interesting, uh, interesting ways to make tickets available. I'll say that. Mm. Anything you want to uh, let loose uh, yeah, on the uh, Carnival right, podcast? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll just say that they'll, they'll, for people interested in going to Madawaska, there'll be a, uh, a variety of ways uh, of varying levels of effort for you to try and get a ticket. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That sounds like an endeavor. I could, um, I could see some people uh, maybe committing ritual homicides if need be to get in. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Me- Maybe you would be one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but uh, everybody knows on this podcast that uh, the Kirk Minahan show is uh, a favorite of Chris and mine. It's the best podcast in the world. Yeah, definitely. So make sure you listen to that. And thanks a ton, Steve, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. That was awesome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Bye.